Hi, everybody. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, and welcome to a Pluribus One podcast, a podcast named loosely after my third book, Pluribus One, but a podcast dedicated to discussing American culture, politics, race, unity, and most of all, protecting this republic for which it stands. We have a great episode for you today on a day where the president of the United States, Donald Trump, is in yet another world worlds with China, with the Fed chair, Powell, and with the American people. The markets are erratic. Russia is threatening us over missile tests. And the political class in Washington grows more concerned about a president who seems to be angry, lashing out at everyone, and frankly, a bit unstable. This is why my guest today is so important. Get ready for a great conversation on why the Mueller report still matters. An intimate conversation with former GOP strategist and political commentator, Sherry Jacobus. Let me go ahead and bring on my friend, Sherry. Uh, She's joining me from Washington and uh, like me, Sherry cut her teeth in politics and policy as a moderate Republican woman. She now identifies as a political independent. Uh, Sherry is undertaking what I think is a very important project now that I felt was important to discuss as our very first podcast with a guest. That project is entitled America Reads the Mueller Report, and she is headed out to L.A. for the taping on Monday. Sherry, welcome to the show and tell us all about what you are doing and why it matters so much now. Well, thank you for having me and congratulations on your first podcast. I'm sure it's going to be a great success and I'll thank enjoy I'll, I'll enjoy watching as you move along. Uh, yes, America Reads the Mueller Report. I'll tell you what we did. A lot of us, you know, we've been tweeting. We've been trying to get people informed. We're, we're doing all that we can uh, once this came out. And, and it, sometimes it just didn't feel like enough. You know, it seemed that we were preaching to the choir. So I started thinking about who in America needs to know about the Mueller report that might not know about the Mueller report. They might not know what's in it. Maybe they're only listening to one news uh, network that's not quite giving them the truth. And I found out that there are a lot of people that get their media in different ways. They get their information in different ways. And it shouldn't shock anybody to know that not everybody is on Twitter or even online. So good for them. <laughs> yes. So, you know, we, what we we're doing is we're putting together a half hour television production uh, of celebrities reading excerpts directly wow. from the Mueller report. And we'll have a few clips of the Mueller testimony in there. And Sophia, there's going to be no political commentary, no awesome. in your face, nothing, nothing, no opinion, no interpretation, it just the words of Robert Mueller himself so that people don't have to take the words of Fox News. They don't have to take the words of, of anybody on CNN or MSNBC. They don't have to decide if Rush Limbaugh is telling them the truth or, or, or A.G. Barr or Trump or anybody. They can Let's just... put a pin in that for a moment because that is powerful what you're saying. And I really want my listeners to hear what Sherry just said to you. This is a production, which is like watching a 30-minute show. Um, and these are celebrities and people you will recognize who are going to read, just read the report. There's no partisan uh, analysis. There's no punditry. There's just the words that were submitted to the Congress, to the Attorney General, 
and uh, to the oversight committees. Correct, Sherry? That's correct. Uh, obviously, we don't have time in a half an hour to read the entire report. Right. But we get we get the highlights, uh, and hopefully it'll entice people to want to get their own free copy of the report. But here's where we're going to air this. We're going to air this as we raise money uh, on hundreds of local television stations around the country. Wow. Uh, and that's where I think people will really be interested in watching it. It might be in that half hour uh, before the football game that they catch it or just after their favorite game show. Uh, so they don't have to really consciously tune in. Hopefully they will mm -hmm. if they hear about it. But we have volunteers. We have volunteer celebrities who are interested in doing this. And I'm going to give their names here shortly because, uh, you know, it's, it's been really hard to get people to want to do this. They have agents. They have managers. Yeah. They have this. And so to have people break through all of that and say, you know what, Jerry, I'm going to do this. Um, I don't, you know, we're going to, this is important. And these are people who want to use their careers, their names, their celebrity, what they've achieved in their life to give back uh, because they think it's important that Americans understand what's in the Mueller report. So we've got Montel Williams, who, as you know, had one of the longest running uh, daytime talk shows in the history Absolutely. of television. Yes, he's he's wonderful. We have Morgan Fairchild, who I think up until, you know, not too long ago, she was the pinup girl for, I think, about half. <laughs> well, when population. we were growing up, she was certainly uh, quite the beauty and quite the uh, actress. And she's still active on Twitter. I see her. I'm a big fan. Uh, she's still gorgeous. I don't know how she's managed to maintain that all these years. But, she's uh, fabulous. Yeah, and she's, she's a wonderful human being. And yeah. she's been politically active her whole life. And she's just, she's all in. And she's been a friend for a few years. So, so excited to have her. And we have, um, we've got John Cryer. Who, wow. I know. And he's just great. And Willie Garson. Remember Willie Garson? Yes. He, yes. <laughs> everybody. Uh, Carrie Bradshaw's gay best friend from Sex and the City. Hilarious. Stanford Blatch. He's, and he. He's so eager to do this. In fact, he reached out to me when he heard that we were doing this uh, because he feels that this is so important. And we have Tom Arnold, funny man Tom Arnold, who's going to be doing something very seriously. You mean yeah. with, with Arnold and True Lies, Tom Arnold? Yeah, Tom Arnold, our, our Tom <laughs> Arnold. And, and, you know, he's a he's funny man. He's controversial, but I love him. Anyway. He is, so, but he's going to be very serious. So you have this, good, you know, good. and we have Kathy Griffin, same thing. Oh, Everybody, wow. yes. Uh, Boy, yeah. President Trump's going to love that. Well, you know, it makes it interesting. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, she's well known. And this is important to her, too. Freedom of speech and people yeah. knowing the truth is very important to her. So she's on board. And and who who else have I missed anybody? No, oh you've my got God. them, but I have I got six? What? Yeah, yeah, that's a good cross section. Um, I know all of those people, or know of them. Montel, of course, and is more conservative, uh, but in particularly as an African American and military, so he's kind of got that. You know, you're more what I would call your moderate conservative type of guy, and then you've got somebody like Morgan, who's been an activist her whole life in politics and has that true uh, old style Hollywood with her. And then the other personalities. I mean, I think you got a good mixture of people across the board, so I think that's important too. And they're and they've been so easy to work with, so we're very excited. And we've had people donate, you know, because of Roland Martin, we have this the donated Shout studio. Out to Roland. Yeah, Roll the Roll studios, Roll. the studio <laughs> space, and. 
the, the equipment. He arranged all that through YouTube, uh, so we didn't have to pay for that. We even had, when we have to go and, you know, you have to feed these people, and by California law, you have to do the catering and the, the craft services. And so sure. when I go to order that, then they get back to me and they say, you know what, we're going to donate this. So we're getting a whole big catered move, move, awesome. meal for the cast and the crew because we're going to be there for 12 hours and plus the craft services. And just everybody's been wonderful uh, and wanting to help and, and donate. And we've got some of the crew doing this as volunteers or close to volunteers because it's so important to them. Uh, and we've been completely crowdfunded. And, and again, we don't even have a product yet. So uh, to be able to raise the money that we have just on people's belief in what we're doing and trust in what we're doing and wanting us to get it done. Uh, so it's been it's been thrilling and we're hoping that we can reach a lot of Americans who, you know, they're not part of anyone's base, they're not part of a cult, um, but they might not be getting proper information. Right, and right, so when right. you're talking about, um, you know, we're not a political organization, we're a 501c4 nonprofit, mm -hmm. but you know, when you've got close elections that are won and lost in the margins, uh, it's really important that everybody be informed. And that's really all we want. We want to educate and inform and then let people make up their own mind. Well, you know, Sherry, again, as I go back to the fundamentals of why I started this podcast, you know, the, the principles of America. And one of the first, in fact, it's the opening principle that I open with in the book. It is to be engaged, informed, and self-governing. That is the absolute foundation, the bedrock of who we are supposed to be as Americans. We are a representative democracy. We are a republic. And so that means that we, the people, really govern. And so in order to do that, the founding fathers understood that we had to be engaged. We had to be informed, to your point, And we have to be self-governing, which means that we shouldn't allow anyone or anything to feed us information, to spoon feed us, to taint us. Like you said, whether it's Fox, CNN, MSNBC, choose your poison. At the end of the day, uh, I love what you're doing because what you're doing, um, I think, you know, they've done readings of the Mueller report, I know, on Broadway, um, and people could hear it. But I think seeing it is very different in a visual culture like where we are today. And, you know, to your point, um, these elections are getting closer and closer at the national level. I mean, we have someone winning the popular vote, someone winning the Electoral College, which is a whole nother discussion. But I think that today, you know, today uh, that we're recording, and I don't mind saying that because we're recording this on Friday, the news broke that uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg had yet again another cancer surgery. And, you know, she's in her 80s and it, you know, elections have consequences, whether she retires or serves uh, until uh, she no longer can serve. It looks like President Trump could get another Supreme Court pick. Uh, before he's out of office. So it matters that we get information. It matters that we think for ourselves. It matters that we get the facts and not have them filtered through. So thank yes. you for what you're doing. I, I want to get on to some other things, but I wanted to open with what you're doing because I really wanted to have you on to talk about that because I think that uh, the country has forgotten, frankly, about the Mueller report. And I'm It'll be, I think it's going to come roaring back here in, in uh, September, well, though. So. We want to we make sure everybody knows. Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to that in a few minutes as we wrap. But I want to ask you about a couple other things because I would be remiss if I didn't. So, Sherry, look, these are tough days for the nation and for the GOP, frankly. Uh, both of us are... Uh, former Republican women, in your case, myself still consider myself a Republican, although it gets more difficult every day. 
tell me how you feel about what you've seen happen to the Republican Party, you know, over the last two years and what happened? Oh, it's been more than two years. Um, uh, I, you know, we're really talking about four years uh, and it's shocking what's happened. You know, I, a lot of people thought, uh, you know, this guy can't win or he won't get the nomination. And they thought, well, he's not going to win. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people that we both know kind of held back uh, in terms of going all in. And some people said, well, he's our nominee. I'm going to go all in. I, I think that it's one thing if you wanted to be a party loyalist and support Trump in 2016, very different from still supporting him. We know too much. Uh, and there are things that uh, people are putting up with, overlooking, out and out lying about um, that are just unacceptable. So, you know, I, I'm an independent now. I think that character matters. I'm putting country before party, and I think yep. we all have to. It's yeah. not just about a list of policy positions that no. may or may not get done. Or and your 401k. You, or your 401k. Uh, it is about the the judicial picks. It's uh, the federal judiciary and the, you know, the, the Supreme Court. Uh, and that is something that affects this country for generations to come. And it's one thing to say, well, at least we have somebody that we think is a conservative judge that's being appointed. But we also know that there are many appointments made and the Kavanaugh appointment very controversial because was he the best one or was he put in there for a very specific reason to uh, benefit a one president uh, if if certain things with regard to potential crimes uh, reached that level of the Supreme mm -hmm. Court. And that is absolutely frightening, frankly. Uh, our country is too think, important to be loyal to a party that's now corrupt. Right. Why do you think uh, Republicans, good Republicans that we know, people like Mitt Romney, uh, you know, some of the other people, you've got Lisa Murkowski, you've got people like Joan Ernst, you've got, uh, you know, uh, Susan Collins. I mean, I can keep ticking some of these people off who... Uh, you know, Tim Scott, these are good people. Why does it seem like they're afraid of the president and they won't challenge him? What's that all about? You know, I think that they're putting their own careers first. I, I hate to say that, but there's just no other explanation. And I've seen this with friends who work in the business. Uh, go along to get along. Uh, well, this too shall pass. Or it's not that bad. You know, people look around. You know, there's something they know that's very, very wrong here. And they pause and they look around and they say, well... My neighbor to my left isn't saying anything about it. My neighbor to my yeah. right isn't saying anything about it. Not left, right, you know, ideologically, but just the people around them. So they think it's okay, uh, and it's not okay. And a lot of people are just in so deep right now, Sophie, I don't even think they can get out. You know, once you're in that deep, uh, <laughs> and you have to pull yeah, you're yourself... you're complicit in. now. Sure. Well, and I look at somebody like Anthony Scaramucci, and um, I have different thoughts about him than others. I, I think that at this point, somebody at his level who's always known Trump, you know, great that he finally saw the light, but he seems to be seeing the light to, to benefit himself. Absolutely. And I think we Absolutely. can do better than that, too. Uh, so Look at Joe Walsh. What do you think about Joe his Walsh. Saw, I tweeted him. He's fascinating to me. He's wow. great. I did his show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think the fact that he's so honest about his about being repentant and wanting to fix this uh, is is a good thing. Uh, he doesn't seem to be doing this to benefit himself. I think he's genuinely concerned for his country. And I see that with a lot of people. Look, character matters, and we have to be able to trust our leaders. And, you know, the Democrats now, if they run on a strong anti-corruption message, uh, and that can you can draw on a lot of conservatives and moderates by saying, by the way, we think that, you know, budget, you know, we want to clean up uh, fraud and waste in our budget. 
Yeah, that's a form of corruption as well. And I've seen, you know, Elizabeth Warren talk about that, and she's appealing to people in ways that uh, groups of people that I don't think people expected her to. But I I do think the anti-corruption message uh, is a winner for Democrats. Yeah, I think that Joe Biden probably hit it out the gates when he understood two fundamental things when he launched. One was he opened with the Charlottesville uh, riots and the uh, you know nationalist march that took place there that resulted in one young woman's death and he reframed it around Thomas Jefferson's words and a lot of people kind of mocked him about that but as you reflect back now and you see where we are and you see that Biden is more and more making the case that this really is about who we want to be and who we are and uh, how we're going to do business as a nation with a soul I think that that argument is gaining more and more traction. I frankly think, I'd love to get your thoughts, um, that people are exhausted by this, which, you know, really brings me to my next question, which is, you know, we've seen the president do a lot of things over the last two years. I mean, he's, he's true to form. I mean, if you go back and you look at the history of Donald Trump and you've studied them, if you watch Celebrity Apprentice, Uh, You know, remember going to the grocery store as a kid and as a teen and you're seeing Donald Trump on the tabloid. So so none of this is new to some degree. Right. But what do you think, candidly? And I really want a a serious analysis. I mean, it it can get easy, right, to devolve into name calling and kind of characterizing. But on a very serious note, Sherry, what do you think about these attacks on, you know, the Danish prime minister on you know, our allies attacking the Fed chair uh, today, which is Friday. And, you know, this podcast will go live this weekend. And I just, I mean, is he stable? Is this who no. he is? What's going on there? <laughs> well, I mean, um, seriously. I don't, I don't think that he's stable. I think that he has had a lifelong personality quirk that's now turned into something very serious and become a sickness for, for all of us. Uh, he also is a one note, Charlie. This is how Donald Trump has always operated. He has spent his life beating people down by you know lying cheating stealing and just berating and beating and harder and making them embarrassed and trying to get others to bully them and gang up on them and i think what he's finding is that there are some world leaders who really just don't care uh it's not working anymore so it makes him do it even more he's got a very passionate base a shrinking base but a passionate base that cheers him on from the sides from the sidelines and he thrives on that and that is inappropriate and dangerous for uh, a president of the united states or any world leader to be so needy that they thrive on that type of acceptance and egging on from the sidelines knowing consciously that these are not the majority it's something that's worked for him in the past in certain times of his life um, and he's banking on it working again and it might in some quarters but i don't think in the long term that that's what america is i still have my fingers crossed yeah, you know, and as we wind down here on this segment, I, I'm certainly I want to get back uh, to how we started with the wonderful work that you're undertaking. But a, another just question that hits me, you know, you like me and many of our friends on both sides of the aisle, Democrats, Republicans, independents, you know, Washington was a town when I came here first time when I was in high school as an intern in the Congress and then in college, in the Senate, and then I worked in the House after I got out of law school as a committee counsel. I mean, it was a different Washington then. It seemed like, you know, yeah, people started their partisan fights, but people would go out and have drinks together. You know, it wasn't as partisan. People weren't vicious to each other. What do you attribute what we're seeing now? Because our politics have really gone to a swap. 
a phrase that I'm not sure we're going to come out of. And I'm deeply concerned about the rhetoric that I see on social media, uh, the nastiness, the I will take you out. I'm going to take your family out. You know, I'm just not going to disagree with you, Sherry. I got to destroy you. Oh, I've lived with these threats for a few years. Yeah. Well, what's happening there? Why do you think we've seen such an escalation? And, and most importantly, how do we fix this? Uh, it, it, it's because of Trump, but it's because others enabled him. Uh, you know, we saw the media just gorging on the ratings in 2015 and 2016, never thinking this could really happen. Uh, but they did. Um, they are complicit. You mean we, Trump you, getting elected? Yes. Uh, and, and enabling this because they like those types of fights. And, you know, you and I have done enough television mm -hmm. where we know that, you know, the cable kind of likes that that as well. Uh, sure. But, uh, you know, they, they gorged on the ratings. It was easy, cheap ratings, reality show ratings uh, that mm -hmm. had nothing to do with news. Uh, and so they, they have to take responsibility for that. Uh, and that meant that Americans were not getting accurate information, uh, which, and I think that's the crux of it. People are not getting real news. Uh, and when they do get some real news, it's called fake news. And too much in the media, and again, because they have so much to cover, uh, but it's just, they become stenographers. Hmm. Uh, they aren't doing the fact checking that they need to do. And there's lots of ways, and they can also stop putting on some of the liars and some of those careers should be ended. Yeah. If you're a White House staffer and you've been caught lying repeatedly to the press, right. there was a time when that meant, well, your career is pretty much over, you had to go. Now it seems to be a requirement. So there's this tone that's been accepted now. Uh, you know, I worked in Washington for 30 years. I worked on Capitol Hill, I've run campaigns, was an RNC spokesperson, worked in the leadership, did all of that. And um, I, always was able to work with Democrats. I had Democratic mm -hmm. friends and we could disagree and sometimes even get pretty terse with each other. Mm -hmm. But I've never, ever encountered what I have in the era of the era of Trump. Uh, so it's been disappointing to me to be, see so many of my former friends, colleagues and brethren uh, sink to some of the levels that they've sunk to and tell themselves that it's okay. No White House job is worth becoming that. Hey, no look. time on TV is worth that. It's it's just not okay. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I was at uh, Kellyanne and uh, George's wedding. Kellyanne and I grew up together. We are 13 days apart in age. I'm being 13 days wow. older. Our mothers were nurses together. We're both Jersey girls. And um, it's been hard for me to see uh, the transformation of Kellyanne. Um, and I've heard a lot of people say that again, yes. Republicans, Democrats, independents. She and I were friends for 20 years before yeah. all of this. Yes. Okay. So people on the networks, think about it. This was someone who, uh, you know, was, was a spin doctor always, Kellyanne was always smooth, but she was, you could uh, see her as someone that had integrity. She believed in what she believed in. Um, she was a decent, good person. And I'm not saying she's not that anymore, but what I am saying is, is that I don't understand. Every day that I see George tweeting, I'm trying to figure out how in the hell they have dinner at their house and there's peace in their house. Well, uh, be, I have you know theories. I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, you know, a lot of people have theories, but on a very serious note, you have George being like, you know, he's leading the way with the flag saying this guy's got to go. And Kellyanne defends anything and everything he does, well, which is to your point, it, it, even in marriages, I know people who are getting into difficulty in their families, in their yes. marriages that were over Trump. It, it's like real. It's toxic. there are there are people that I can no longer be. Well, it got to the point, first of all, where it was just such severe disagreements. But I'm at the point now where knowing what we know about him, even if you have access to information where you know about him a fourth of what we know because we're kind of in the business here 
Um, it's I don't understand how you can still defend it, support it, say it's okay, say, well, my 401k is great and that's all I care about. Um, and so I, 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 I do take it to the point where I think this goes to a person's character and I've had to rethink some friendships. And uh, we hear yeah. that from a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I want to note about the Conways, and, and you and I may disagree on this. Uh, George Conway was operated in you know, obscurity for many, many decades, yes. very powerful. Yep. And then he suddenly stepped forward as never Trump. Uh, into the public spotlight just weeks before Justice Kennedy announced his retirement. And George then uh, was part of the Never Trump groups with prominent Never Trumps. Mm -hmm. I used to go to some of these kind of mm -hmm. secret meetings. Mm -hmm. and, he, and George was able to convince a number of the prominent Never Trumpers to publicly support his uh, pal and, uh, and fellow Federalist, Federalist Society member, uh, Brett Kavanaugh for yep. SCOTUS, yep. Uh, Supreme Court. And that, of course, helped people like Senator Susan Collins, who was on the fence, tipped towards Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that um, the Conways have that bad of a marriage or that they argue at home. Uh, I just think that, you know, he did this to get his, his, he has the judicial picks that he wants. I think he's in it for the longer game. And I do think it was strategic. And that's why Donald Trump does not uh, hit back at George Conway. And he's a counterpuncher. Trump has gone after me a lot worse than he's gone after George Conway, he sent Eric Trump out once to criticize him because I guess Tiffany, you know, was busy when it was becoming mm -hmm. uh, pretty, pretty obvious that he needed to, uh, you know, punch back at George Conway. But I don't think it's legit. And, you know, that's I say things like that that are controversial, but that's my observation and my experience. Uh, he's about the judicial picks. So, you know, it's an interesting theory. I've heard others, uh, you know, and for me, I don't really the theories be damned. That's the way I feel about it. This is your country. This is America. And whether it is George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Jerry Ford, George H.W. Bush, etc., there is a standard of conduct that we've become accustomed to in America about how our president should speak, how they should comfort us in times of trouble, how they should unify, even when they're fighting over budgets and disagreeing over tariffs or whatever, you know, military intervention. Uh, you know, there were people who detested George W. Bush on the Democrat side, but I'll never forget on 9-11 hearing Maxine Waters stand up and say, that's my president and you better yeah. not speak ill of him because well, people you know how to close ranks. Well, and that's because I think ultimately while we may disagree with somebody, we still think, I, I think it's hard it's to name, you know, people that are prominent in politics or, you know, presidents where we say they're corrupt. They're doing yeah. this for a corrupt yeah. purpose. Right. We may disagree with them. Right. Uh, but we still, I don't think we really question that they're, they, they think they're, they love their country and they yeah. think they're doing the best job that they can. And that's why we can have very heated disagreements and discussions in politics. But I think we got a different crowd here now, different president and the people surrounding him are a lot of corruption, which is why we have so many acting uh, secretaries and right, cabinet right, members rather than right. they don't have to go through the Senate confirmation. They don't have to be vetted. They don't well, have to you be know, investigated. To your point earlier about this, and I'm going to wrap with this because I like to keep these to 30 minutes and we have a few minutes left, but I, and I want to get back to your uh, America Reads the Mueller report. I, I think that something you said is key. You know, the new White House press secretary that none of us have seen, by the way, who doesn't hold press conferences, has been arrested for DUIs, not 20 years ago, but a year or two ago. And, During the campaign, yes. Yeah, and, you know, that just, my you can tell I'm, I'm still struggling for words because, <laughs> 
you know, in the in the old days, and I'm talking about the old days of like, you know, when George Bush was rent, running, remember, and it came out that he had a DWI. It wasn't like it was going to derail him, but it was like a gotcha. Like, ooh, that's a bad yes. thing. And that had happened 30 years earlier in his life. And Is he it- had to come out and explain it. And he, he was embarrassed in front of his daughters who were at college and wilding out a little bit, right? And so... My point is, is that that is now Trump has really fundamentally changed the character of the White House, of the staff, of decorum, and not in a good way, Sherry. Not in a good way. I can't, you know, we're at a point here where most of the decent people that we know wouldn't even think of working in this oh, White God, House no. or this. No. They, they absolutely won't do it. Early on, we heard at the beginning of the administration, people thought, well, at least there's somebody there to be the grown up in the room. Eh, I don't know. Uh, that that no longer works. It, you almost have to be corrupt to serve on his cabinet. Uh, I think he likes people who are corrupt because then he can manipulate them more and threaten them. You know, just like or you we know, have to be weak and you have to be a sycophant. I'll give people or never having the any. Right, yeah, they right. not. They, the, some of these people would never get within ten miles of were it not for Trump. You know, bringing them in uh, because they are weak or they're inexperienced. Oh, their credentials are awful. When you begin to look at the the jobs, first of all, that are unfilled in this administration for exactly the reason you said. You know, old veterans like Katja Bullock, who you know I'm talking about, who ran, you know, the Office of Personnel's uh, mm-hmm. within the White House administrations from Reagan forward, and made sure that the top picks, the the best, the brightest, with credentials, with experience, got into all the jobs you have to fill. There are a lot of vacancies, but we can we can come back and assess the Trump administration another time. I want to just wind down again by giving you the floor to recap what you're doing, um, who again is involved, and, and how can we support you? How can people follow you? How can they donate and support uh, this amazing project that you're undertaking, Sherry? Well, we are America Reads the Mueller Report. Uh, that is the name of our 501c4 nonprofit. It's also the name of our television production that we're doing in a few days in Hollywood with celebrities. Then we'll buy airtime, half hour blocks of time, and air this uh, on local TV stations around the country. It is celebrities reading excerpts directly from the Mueller Report. No political spin, no commentary, just the facts. Uh, so that people who might not be getting accurate information and think that, oh, for example, they believe uh, A.G. Barr when he says that Trump was exonerated. Uh, he wasn't, but they can decide for themselves. So we're raising money on GoFundMe. Uh, you can find us on GoFundMe, America Risa Mueller Report. You can also follow me on Twitter at Sherry Jacobus, C-H-E-R-I-J-A-C-O-B-U-S. Now, the celebrities that we have... How about Facebook? Do you have a Facebook page we'll, for this We'll be well? doing Facebook and website after we get this produced. Okay, good. Um, I found that um, having twenty only 24 hours in a day is not to my advantage. Avoid <laughs> <laughs> oh on I overstand. Once we get this produced, we'll have, we'll have a little bit more... Uh, and we're completely crowdfunded at this point in time. So that's been absolutely, we've had 439 donors so far. Our celebrities are Montel Williams, who serves as a bit of a host since he had a long time daytime talk show. Uh, We have Morgan Fairchild, we have Willie Garson, John Cryer, Tom Arnold, Kathy Griffin. So it's fiery, it's fun, but these are, you know, we have some funny folks in there, uh, you know, people who have done uh, comedy, uh, and uh, they are there to be serious as a heart attack. Uh, so that'll be interesting that, you know, to see people who we know as comedians and make us laugh and sometimes make us uncomfortable uh, to uh, now be reading something very serious because they want their fellow Americans to know exactly what the Mueller report says and doesn't say. Well, look, this has been um, a great dialogue. I am 
proud of you uh, for what you're doing. Thank it you. takes patriots to stand up. We all are doing our part in the ways that I believe God has gifted us to do. And I think that the visual is so important, what you guys are going to do. And I also think that once this happens, Sherry, I believe you're going to get um, an expanded version. I believe a, a network's going to pick it up or one of the history channel or somebody's going to come along and want to do even bigger. And I just believe that you are a woman much like Esther put here for such a time as this. And um, I applaud you for your years of service. And, you know, just to our listeners, these kind of dialogues are important. You know, I'm going to talk to all kind of people. And Sherry's just one of the people out there. She's got a life like you, like me. She's busy, she's family, friend. She's got to work for a living. You know, she's just trying to go along and be a good American citizen. And one of the things that we all have to do, Sherry, I think is get off our butts and get engaged. I think we're lazy as Americans. Look at those kids in Hong Kong. Look at what they're doing. And look at how they have radically changed the dialogue, the climate, the response of world leaders, millions of them in the streets. That needs to be us, folks. That needs to be us. We all have that to do our part. needs to be us, yes. And so with that, I'm going to say thank you to you. Uh, thank you to my listeners. We're looking forward to the next episodes. And uh, please follow Sherry. Please support this very important endeavor that she has. Give whatever you can. I don't care if it's $5, $10. Share it on your Facebook page. Share it on your Twitter. This is your country. This is your America. This is your the republic. We the people of the United States of America in order to form a more perfect union. Never forget those words. And I'm going to end with my tagline, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. Sherry, thank you. Thank you. And God bless. Thank you. You too.